0: This is the one with a snot-nosed kid. The man with two dozen brains. The man with
1: three dozen brains. Uh-oh.
0: A time distortion localizer thingy. Dan Dangerous from Scotland. A deep blue sea. A scary
1: little German fellow. And Mr. Huffle puffs. It's called The Return of Dr. Mysterio. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase All through time and all through space With Slipin and angels now
2: Dalek, Cyber, Zood and WOW
0: Counting Sonic's rating apps From the poor to the sublime
1: Echoes and Whittaker
0: Let's agree it's about time Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is Who back when?
1: Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Rose and Donna Amy Pond
0: Rory, Clara And beyond Join, Join us on this to See what other choice could there be But back who
1: back when? when? Who back when?
0: What ho, dearest Podcast Land and welcome to another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, dark past. Dang right it is. Oh, have we got an evening in store for you, Podcast Land. Tonight, I am joined by two fantastic people. Uh, one, not just across the ether but across some land and some water and some more land in Berlin, <laughs> we have Hello,
1: it's Marie. Hello, Marie.
0: Marie, down by the spray. <laughs> <laughs> and also across the ether and sort of just down the road from me, we have. Why, it's Drew McGwen. Hello, Drew. Oh. And Hi. Hi, Marie. Hi, Leon. <laughs> That's right, I am Leon. Hello, <laughs> Podcast Land. Today we are talking about the return of Dr. Mysterio. Not the first time we have covered Dr. Mysterio on this podcast. Uh, so if you haven't That's listened definitely to definitely our- the best time. <laughs> if you haven't listened to our instant ish reaction review of it, then, uh, you know, go ahead, treat your earballs. Would anyone care to express some high level opinions of this uh, episode before we uh, jump into B Scout territory?
2: Yeah, yeah. I watched something really good and really fun this week about an ordinary New York kid who has a crush on a girl with a locker just a few down from his at school. He just wants to put a mask on and help people. It was really great. It was cool Kick
0: Ass, it was a thousand times better than this crap. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. How about you, Marie? Has your view changed since the first time we reviewed this?
1: No, skip me and go to someone else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Lots of people left around the table. <laughs> hey, me, what do you think of this? Well, thank you for asking me. Uh, I <laughs> I think I probably liked it more this time than I did the first time around, if oh, I'm honest. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. Now that's interesting. Uh, th- there interesting. are some
0: parts of it that I, I mean, I listened back to our Instant-ish reaction review earlier, and there are a few parts of this that I now like a lot more, and a few parts that I didn't necessarily tear to shreds the last time that I now find abhorrent.
2: So <laughs> that's perfect. That's exactly why we need to do this again.
1: Yes, that's brilliant. <laughs> I also think that Nick just hated it so passionately that I think I was a bit like, oh, I should, I should defend this episode a bit more. And yeah, I'm <laughs> oh, that's true, re watching and listening. I'm like, I don't know why I defended it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I get it though. You wanted to yeah. be a counterweight. You're like, he's doing down this episode unjustly.
1: Yeah. But
0: um, was not, he? I still think it's
1: not quite as bad. <laughs> things. But anyway, we'll get to
0: that. Right. Well, how about we jump into a bite-sized chunk of who? To summarise uh, this episode for all the people who luckily were spared it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <What>? I'm kidding.
1: I <laughs> hey, what you mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> time for us to synaptise, lebify and summarise. So take a view and, and grab a brief and listen to, time to time this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite chunk of, of who? who? By I drunk drunk of who? After 24 years of an all-night-long river-song bing-bong... <laughs> The 12th Doctor has returned to Manhattan to build a kind of time catcher on the roof using the Hazandra the ghost of love and wishes which was voted the most over the top name in the universe by the apocalypse monks of Andrax who know a thing or two on that subject
2: However mere seconds away from plastering over New York's time cracks Doc makes the naive mistake of trusting a kid not to stick whatever's in its hands in its mouth Compounding this misfortune the gemstone formed in the heart of a red hole doesn't fancy passing through another and so young Grant's Soon finds his DNA bonded to
1: it. Gifted with the powers of flight, X-ray vision, and super sadness, Grant is limitlessly powerful, but metaphorically powerless, to prevent his high school crush from falling for his bad boy bezzy Now he helplessly nannies their daughter by day while fighting crime by night. But with twelve back in town investigating Harmony will hilarity finally ensue? Spoilers, no. <laughs> Bees go over.
0: You are welcome. <laughs> <calm. laughs> Right, where are we starting? Can
2: I start this with a story? Oh, please do. The year was 2016, obviously. That year, we were playing the role of Christmas hosts, Abby and I, to my sister, my dad, and his newish partner, Janet. So as not to dive into that whole mess of cancer-enforced family restructuring, suffice it to say that I found myself in various ways unconsciously and involuntarily competing with Janet in those first few years for my dad's attention. There was this occasion where I tried to learn the guitar part of a song I knew my dad likes, and only later did I realise what the whole enterprise had been about. It was weird. There was a tug-of-war going on, and they were in our house, and hence there was a lot more riding on this episode of Doctor Who than usual. My dad has never been a fan of the show, and I wasn't expecting this episode to convert him into one. Yet he'd insisted we watch this on Christmas Day, because I was already on this podcast by now, and he must have wanted to see what I found so interesting as to talk about it week after week. So what I hoped for from the episode was something that would be maybe moderately diverting for him, just so I would escape the judgement of what a load of old tut, as he is wont to describe anything that's not about machinery or truckers. Maybe he'd laugh a couple of times, say it wasn't too bad. And instead, this is what they broadcast for a full hour, almost from the very beginning. I was squirming in my seat, which wasn't helped by somehow being wedged next to both Dad and Jan on our not particularly large sofa, which seemed to be shrinking and more claustrophobic by the mediocre minute. I was gripped tight in a vice of awkwardness on Christmas Day and I actually envied poor Abby who had been so tired and ill that by this point she was upstairs having a nap trying to sleep the plague off and she loves Christmas so I should have felt some sympathy but all I could think was
0: if only I'd been struck down too So are you saying that this episode did not opera your family dynamic?
2: Uh, no. And <laughs> what, what do we say about Christmas specials every single year? They're aimed squarely at the family. They're a slightly different breed that everyone can sit down in front of and enjoy from the little children to the tolerant granny. This utterly failed in that department. So our usual criteria for forgiveness doesn't apply. Well, okay,
0: interesting.
2: <laughs> Thus endeth
0: the story. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, you're coming at this story from a, at least a very different angle than I am. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if a you place of
2: deep-seated emotional yeah, trauma. So. This is why I'm being upfront and candid about this now to explain what will inevitably ensue.
0: You know what? I'm sorry that you didn't have a better Christmas, but I think Podcastland should absolutely rejoice at the <laughs> unstoppable podcast value that that Christmas will now contribute to. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> How about, as a starting point, we tackle the super-duper weird and awkward relationship between Fletcher and what's-his-face? Grant. Ghost. What is happening there? It's- seriously, please, explain this to me.
2: Marie, you're the emotionally intelligent one. Could you shine any light on this?
1: Um well firstly I think the weirdest thing for me is that he does call her like Mrs Fletcher. Why
0: Yeah or Mrs Lombard. Mrs Lombard. Yeah, her uh, maiden name or was that was that yeah. what it was? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, cuz he needs to remind himself at every opportunity of that best friend who betrayed both of them. <laughs>
0: It's so yeah.
1: weird. I don't. Li- I don't like it. It is really weird, and I, yeah, and I just don't think that they have a lot of chemistry either. There's nothing none in their relationship that would hint at. Um, well, obviously, like he's obsessed with her, but. Yeah, they don't. See, he, she just doesn't see him. She just like throws a baby at him and shoots out the door to do something much more exciting. Yeah,
2: yeah. I wasn't sure if one of the lines you hated first time around, Marie, when she says, "Don't worry, your pretty little head about it." I wonder if that was supposed to be like a backhanded compliment, like some sort of weird perverse hint. But it doesn't read that way. I think it just makes you think pretty.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: no, it
0: really does not read that way for me either. I, I think it it screams sub. Relationship, like she is a million percent. Like it, eventually, they will, you know, they will get get together, and she will just whip him into submission. But literally, this time, and it will. They, oh, no, I think he likes this. I think that's his thing.
1: But I think it's yeah. They've they've tried to subvert the like normal gender stereotypes. So she he's the nanny, and she's the one going off to work, and therefore she throws this really.
0: Yeah, but um, what, you, what is it? I don't think the gender oh i'm sorry i just cut you off there sorry
1: no yeah so she she throws this line at him that we're so used to hearing from men named up women but it just i feel like it would have been enough to have him as the nanny but the fact that they drill it home so often that oh you're a nanny but you're a hero and it's okay for men to be nannies and look at us we're doing something cool we're not you know using the normal stereotypes. It just removes any like plus points that they would have got for doing that.
2: Very similar to that. We haven't come on that far in five years, right? In 2016, this was still a negligible amount of emotional labour for a, an average man to be doing, really. It's not like it turned the whole world upside down. It might have in the golden age of comics in the 40s or 50s, although probably not even then, to, to a degree, will have stereotyped previous generations as inherently inferior. It, it's all an illusion. I mean... Yeah, it's like we have this one point and we're gonna make it, and the more we make it, the better it is. But in a comic book
0: <laughs> where where we are used to just encountering archetypes, which character, if not the bad guy, would use a phrase like "Don't worry, your pretty little head"? Like, mm. That's that's not something that a person, the reader or viewer in this case, is meant to sympathise with. Would use? That's a horrible. Like, if, that's why I, I wanted to say like I don't feel like the general gender of the person saying that phrase matters, because fine, let's do a switcheroo. Let's say that their genders were reversed. He tells her, "Don't worry, your pretty little head about that."
1: We would hate him for it. Yeah, we like straight absolutely. up hate it's him. It's still for incredibly it. patronising. Yeah. yeah, And
0: in this, in this one, we're meant to round off their mutual arcs by going, "Oh, they're so good for each other. Finally, they got together." No, she's horrible, and he's dull as crap. But yeah, that oh. was ditch water. And
2: I, I did find myself halfway through thinking. These are supposed to be memorable characters. Like, these are supposed to be companions of the week. Like a Kylie, or a Donna, as was in The Runaway Bride, who made an indelible mark. These guys, they're just sort of unlikable in two wildly contrasting ways. Yeah. And, and just, that's it. I mean, she she's when she's interviewing him, she's supposed to be showing Moffat's intelligence and steel, trap mind sort of thing. And she just comes across as fairly horrible there as well.
0: Yeah. Although, there's an element about that scene that I hated the first time around that this time I kind of liked. Don't you dare say Mr. Huffle. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like, I hate her in that scene, but, and I think we should put a pin in that because that also carries on, like that's the same sub- Dom relationship, I think, is illustrated by that interview, or that interrogation, rather. But I kind of like the idea of the Doctor being so incredibly empathetic that he he even empathises with this tiny little toy, this uh, off-brand potato head, <laughs> to be topical. But... <laughs> sorry Marie go for it
1: no yeah let's put a pin in that and stick on the gender stuff for now because I have another bone yeah, about sure. her
0: yeah sorry sorry go for it which
1: bothers me no no it's um, it only just occurred to me to be honest but I, when you said like he's really dull and she's whatever she is I started thinking yeah like she, he is super dull what does she see in him and actually the only thing she sees in him is how good he is with the child like the, it's the fact that he stopped this bomb but oh I had to catch it with my left hand because I couldn't hold drop the baby monitor and it's just all this stuff that we're putting on her. So she's this really, um, you know, she's a career woman. She's not at home with the baby, but it all goes out the window. And it's just like, yeah, women have this natural like caregiving mothery instinct so that if a man is good with the child, that man immediately becomes like their dream guy. And that's, I think that's what she sees in him in the end.
2: Yeah, what he can do for her and her gene pool.
1: Yeah, because they don't have any chemistry. They don't interact with each other that much. They don't, you know, he's not funny, sexy or, you know, anything else. He's just always, he's just dependable and there and good with the kid. Well,
0: I mean, I, I think that's a little mean in case he's listening to this episode. <laughs> uh, it, 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 I, I can see how he is sexy to a lot of people. But... No, 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 no. that's
1: not that mm <laughs> Because obviously, as the ghost, he is a bit sexier with the, sure. you know, he's got the outfit and he's got the deep voice and blah, blah, blah. But that's the point where she's not interested in the ghost. She's more interested in the nanny at home. And in that nanny role, he's not sexy. There's nothing about that character. I, yeah,
0: I think they've taken, I mean, we, we touched upon this in the first review. They've taken so many scenes from existing superhero properties, and then they've tried to repurpose the dynamic of those scenes for this one. And that, I think, comes from Batman Forever. It's the Val Kilmer and Nicole Kidman scene where they're having a. I th- I think that's it. They're having a conversation on her balcony or whatever, uh, and he fancies her. She's all you know, dressed up for this meet or whatever. Like it's basically the same scene. I think we get the same scene in Superman. I'm pretty sure we get the same scene maybe in the second... No, the first Michael Keaton one? Who cares? Yeah, anyway. So I feel like they've taken those dynamics, but because the characters are so incredibly deflated, I mean, there's really nothing for her to find attractive about the ghost either, at least from, like, a stereotypical point of view, aside from the fact that maybe she likes rubber and masks. She's never seen him. She has no evidence of his heroism, so you don't have that stereotype of, you know, attraction. He should just be a weird- weird dude who can fly that's 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 it he's never demonstrated some any...
2: evidence of his heroism she's seen it on TV uh, around yeah. the time of the interrogation scene she, she knows he... about him before he even rocks okay, up yeah, at the tall building
1: yeah. like, and he rescues her from the tall building in front of the bad guys that are about to kill them all he fly, like saves the day and flies her home oh yeah. fair that enough is, that is Sorry.
2: one of the fair four enough. things about this episode that I like
0: but <laughs> when he oh which is also that's taken from Superman uh, but
2: yeah. oh no I don't mean him flying her away I mean like are, are you okay with heights sorry are you okay with heights <laughs> and she goes I am so far
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. However, when she sees him, her first reaction is, oh, "You're real." Yeah. So that, to me, t- that that tells me that she has no experience of him from before. So okay, fine. So her attraction to him is literally just that he saved their lives once. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay I that. Mean, that's pretty huge. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I've never saved either of your lives.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm also not attracted to you. Drew. Uh,
1: I was going to say, oh, wildly no attracted to you. <laughs> oh no, there's no problem the there. with the logic. <laughs> is how I always defend people are always upset with people like you know Martha fell in love with the doctor and that was terrible and I was like no like he's awesome why wouldn't you fall in love with him and I think the same if a masked guy comes and saves the day and scoops you up and flies you home yeah no I and, take it
0: back you're right and, yeah. you're,
1: and you're single I think you'd be allowed to have a little bit of a crush on that guy yeah no you need to know sorry you are
0: absolutely right I, I completely forgot that he does like, literally save their lives <laughs> okay hang on here's another question for you then do you guys think that she is aware that grant face uh, fancies her and that he's fancied her since high school or whatever
2: i think you'd have to i I mean marie is right were this reality she would have to have an inkling it would have to have crossed her mind that no male is is, well few few men well well does she think he's gay Uh, i suppose that's an option (laughs) <laughs> Does she think he's gay or asexual?
1: Maybe that, asexual, I don't think that tracks. yeah. But I don't think that tracks because uh, when she's having the revelation on the rooftop and she's like, oh, no, no, I fancy Grant. There's no, like, oh, I fancy Grant, if only he was straight. Or
0: if only he fancied me back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I think this, once again, sorry to hop on about it, I think this, once again, ties back to the sub-dom thing. Like, if she were to engage in a relationship with the superhero whom she doesn't know aside from the fact that he's like mega alpha and scoops up people and flies around and like saves people from burning buildings she knows she's never going to be able to you know she will never look this superhero in the face and go yeah don't you worry your pretty little head about it she's never going to be able to whip him into submission whereas Grant fits that dynamic and if Grant actually is into that then they are genuinely perfect for each other but we don't get any real evidence of that except for one line that we don't like and just an incredible absence of chemistry.
1: And his love of rubber suits. Oh, you're
0: thinking like a gimp thing?
1: Yeah. Oh, fair enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) Why not? I mean, I would love a bat suit of some sort, but that's not because I want to be locked inside a tiny box. (laughs) So I I don't know if it tracks completely, but yeah, I I get what you're saying.
2: (laughs) I mean, it stems from the characters being underwritten, and yet... This episode moves at a fairly stately pace. I feel like when it actually really starts to go downhill for me is when we move into Lucy Fletcher's house or apartment, and then time just seems to stop. And it's like you guys can have all the time you like to do absolutely nothing with it.
1: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head because I don't actually think she irritates me that much when she's like she's the reporter, and then she does the cool thing where she switches outfits. With the cleaner, and then there's a nice scene where she. You say um,
0: that somewhere in that building, there is a naked cleaner tied with her hands behind her back, going like, "Please <laughs> let me let me out of here." She's stuck in a closet somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah or, c- or just with a, a chloroformed flannel just left on her
0: face, <laughs> oh, slowly her but under. surely just like drifting deeper and deeper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I don't mind her in all of these scenes and and like she has that sweet little interaction with the doctor when they're eavesdropping on the bad guys and he's like, it's okay, I'm not supposed to be here either. I think all of that I quite like and then you're right, Drew, as soon as they get home, then you see her, how she treats Grant and she's a bit shit to him and yeah the whole that yeah it's just too long and boring and she becomes really unlikable
2: yeah and if they'd kept her just a little bit more likable perhaps her interrogation scene of the doctor would have been more of a contrast and we could have been like oh this is her professional persona of course she has to be steely and ask the tough questions and really pin her interviewees down but it, it doesn't feel like enough of a break I don't want to be misconstrued as criticizing a female reporter doing her job. <laughs> and, you
1: know, I mean, I would like to point out that probably most female reporters don't use a squeaky toy in order to do their Oh, job.
0: can we get back to Mr. <laughs> fucking Huffle? Yeah, fine. I, I mean, I, I want to return to that interrogation in general. Okay, get Mr. Huffle Puff, whatever. What, what is his name?
2: Mr. Huffle.
0: Mr. Huffle, get Mr. Huffle off your chest, and then let's deal with the interrogation in general.
2: I mean, this is partly the five-year war- raw wound talking, but I feel like that oh, no. was the Did point. Did
0: bring a Mr. Huffle to Christmas?
2: Oh <laughs> man, it was super awkward. <laughs> I, I had to sit there smiling at the screen and be like, "Thanks, Jen. I love your present." <laughs> no, no, it was that was the moment where I didn't dare look sideways because I could just, I could just be absolutely certain they were just sat there bewildered and nonplussed and utterly
0: unamused by
2: <laughs> just so much of it!
0: I thought it was exactly the right amount of Mr. Huffle this time around. But that's not what bothers me about this scene. What bothers me is mostly that I find her incredibly unfriendly. She's so unsympathetic towards the interviewee, the doctor in this case.
2: He has just rocked up uninvited in her apartment. He's essentially broken in with the contrivance of her or the with the connivance of her nanny.
0: Yeah, but I mean, okay, <laughs> I made a note of that line as well. Hey, they said they knew you so I let them in. Yeah, worst babysitter ever. <laughs> <laughs> Grunt should be fired for that. <laughs>
2: but, yeah. uh, but he's he's so submissive. There's she won't find someone gimpier in the whole of the five boroughs.
0: Yeah, no, I mean she heard him talk about letting literally anyone into the flat where her offspring lays sleeping and she just had a legendary lady boner. That that's <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a superhero. <laughs>
0: No, sorry, I, I feel like I interrupted you on your Mr. Huffle rant. Let's hear it, let's hear it.
2: I just realised we should have called him the Super Manny. Oh, never oh, mind. So, oh, so good. <laughs> so good. So good. Now, I'm actually done with my Mr. Huffle rant. I, uh, I can't say anything more than... Repeats how thin I found the concept and how bizarre and how weird and why has she got this thing? Okay, I but mean, bear in mind this people, is a... How does this work on an adult? How does she, a high-powered reporter at the Daily Whatever think that this will work on an adult interviewee? I, I, yeah. You're
0: right but bear in mind this is a Christmas episode and we have to suspend a little bit of disbelief as in a little more disbelief in this context like, silliness is allowed to take some sort of logical precedence at christmas in doctor who and, and
1: i think i think that's it i think uh, i just want to go on record and say that on the last time i sort of defended mr huffle and i thought it was quite good and this time around i kind of hated him um and <laughs> yeah my my question was like why why does it work and how does it work and it does it shouldn't work <laughs> and I think last time I was quite charmed by it and I was like, oh, it shouldn't work, but it does and it's so cute and this time around I was like, no, there's no logic to this, just stop it but especially especially the end scene where she like gives in Mr. Huffle to take home, that just drove the fin- final nail in the coffin Yeah, the yeah. fact
2: that Mr. Huffle came back and was the button at- exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: is allowed to be on the TARDIS console even No, no,
1: no. Ugh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> presumably however, the second the TARDIS dematerializes dematerializes, Mr. Huffle just disintegrates out of mediocrity. <laughs> 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 to pass a bar to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, no, I can't be stuck in... Oh, no! <laughs> and we hear yeah. one last solitary squeak. <laughs>
2: Well, the alternative is that the pilot starts and the credit sequence rolls and it goes, Peter Capaldi, Pearl Mackey, Matt Lucas, Mr. Huffle.
0: (laughs) The new companion.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because apparently he has a manipulative hold over the Doctor. I mean, the Doctor is humoring her in, in that scene. That's the only way she can rationalize that he's giving her any information. So that depends on them apparently knowing and trusting each other according to the logic of the
0: exact same scene. But there's an, there's an element of this that's called back to as well. So towards the end, there's a bit where Nardole provides an outline of River Song's fate and, and a sort of Doc's persona. And... Personally, I found that to be one of few, very few, truly lovely, and sort of above all, yeah, in contrast to the rest, mature sentiments. Because this this episode is incredibly immature. But Nardole, in his own incredibly childish way, yeah, wait, 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 hear me out. So Nardole provides in his own incredibly childish way, and, I mean, it's incredibly banal, it's very it's boiled down to the essentials, compared to everything else in the episode, that's the one kind of mature callback to prior Doctor Who and with with the context of a silly Christmas special in mind that callback of Nardol's I think is there in order to justify the absolute absurdity of the Mr. Huffle scene, of that inter- interaction and of Mr. Huffle's value to the Doctor as a symbol <laughs> as a quote reasonable symbol of his, you know mourning of the loss of River Song. I
1: feel like that's the stretch Leon I feel like you're <laughs> 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 You're putting a lot on that scene. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, I completely disagree. I really hated that scene. It just felt like, <laughs> oh, we're just going to take a two-minute pause so I can explain the story of Doctor Who for you in case no one's watched this. And then you put that into the context of there hasn't been a Doctor Who episode all year. Oh, that's right. And they're, yeah. so, so they're expecting either people have, for- like, we've got very short memories and people have forgotten about Doctor Who because it's been that long. Or maybe there's new viewers that are trying to watch. It, but if if the point of this episode is to like kickstart and get new viewers interested, then put the bloody doctor in it. He's barely in it. Like this is the most growth that if the most growth that you get from a character is a description from a companion of what happened in the last episode. Yeah, good point. That's not very good. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I thought it was very telling, Leon, that you were saying Nardole in his own extremely childish way, borderline infantile, is being incredibly mature compared with the rest of this episode.
0: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> is it on my own patard? <laughs>
2: in connection to this scene of, of of having an emotional through line and scoring some emotional points in... I can't remember actually whether it's The Husbands of River Song or Capaldas... Capaldas? Clara's... Kapalda,
0: Kap- I love Capaldas. Let's <laughs> yeah. just go with that. <laughs> That's the nominative, nominative by the way. That's not like Capaldas' house is over there. It's just like Capaldas went across the road. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: or Clara's final, up to this point, farewell episode, where he says, it is, it's when he's in the diner talking to... Clara doesn't know who she is um, everything ends and it's always sad and you boil it down to that and it feels profound but then if you go if you if you then continue on from that in this episode as he does and then everything begins again and it's really happy it just seems like the ultimate banality it's like yeah. you know what some days are good and some days are bad but you have got to keep going through the bad to get to the good because life carries on it's like of course that's true but the way in which they say it makes the, the previous episode worse. And does nothing for this one. And I don't mean to say that sadness is profundity and happiness is banality, but Moffat seems to be saying.
1: That. <laughs> It's just way too oversimplified. I think that really bothered me because it was, you know, things end and that sad. Okay, we can kind of agree with that because the specific things he's talking about have been sad. But then things start again, and that's always happy. Like, that's just not always the case. Like, new things might start, and they might also be sad. It's just, it's yeah.
2: Yeah, this episode started, and I was sad, and this episode (laughs) ended, and I was happy.
1: So
0: (laughs) the (laughs) other way (laughs) around. Oh, wow.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) <laughs>
2: to prove my point,
0: true.
2: <laughs> uh, you know what Moffat's just keeping it real.
1: But is it is it building us up into the next series to be like, like we've had a lot of heavy dark, lots of endings, we got rid of Clara, we got rid of River, it's all been quite sad for a while, but the next series that we're going to go into this year, that's going to be happy, so you've got something to look forward to. So
0: does that mean that this is sort of a filler episode, in a sense? Let's call it transitional. But it's it's not even really, Oh, maybe it is, maybe this is closer to being transitional than the last one, but it, 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 I, I didn't consider that it's been a year since the last Doctor Who episode. I, I can't remember how long it is between this and the next one, but the fact that we get a Next time on Doctor Who after this That shows Bill means that there's already a plan So maybe this one, maybe that's true So maybe this episode is more of a transitional episode But it's transitioning from A vacuum and What do you do except Add filler.
2: Yeah, I, I would say never has an episode been more inessential than this one. You could very easily skip it, never know it existed and you would miss
0: nothing. Wait, what about your favourite episode on the sand planet with the shit eaters?
2: I... Planet of Death? Actually, planet of Terror? Planet of
0: the Dead. Planet of the Dead, that's the one. Planet I can't of
2: remember. Terror, what the hell am I talking about? I can't about? remember. I, I'm sure Lady Christina D'Souza de Fuckface added very little to She <laughs> so had a dual joke.
0: aristocratic lineage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lady de Souza face, what of the Luxembourg Defoc faces?
2: <laughs> uh, yes, maybe that is a contender for equally inessential because they are both completely inessential. You got me there, Leon. <laughs> Some another episode is at a hundred percent with this one. <laughs>
0: Okay, 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 okay.
1: But, oh, it's not entirely essential because it explains how Nadal came back because otherwise you'd be watching the next episode going, hey, wasn't he just a head on a robot last time we saw him? Yeah, or in know, a robot? It doesn't,
2: it doesn't yeah. actually say anything about it apart from the doctor sort of plonked his head back on, but I don't know whether Nadal... Uh, Nadal? Fuck, what's wrong with my... <laughs>
0: What what did Capaldas tell Nadal?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So so I don't know whether Capaldas reassembled Nadal as a robot as he's fished his head out of Hydroflax's thorax, or whether he's now a living, breathing human something, humanoid whatever, that needs to go to the little boy's room, apparently. Yeah, I hated that. That's the worst
0: bit. Not the worst bit, that's possibly the worst line of this episode. Episode.
2: Yeah, and it's also... Oh, look, Nardole's back. Oh, look, he's even
1: less funny than
0: before. I like Nardole. I like him.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's my standout from this episode is that Nardole's really funny. Yeah, I agree. Nardole is wonderful, except for that one line, which is just utter
0: garbage. (laughs)
2: It it throws him under the bus immediately, and he has to claw back the ground from there. When he talks about being a Byzantine emperor in the 12th century, I ruled fairly and squarely, whatever the hell it (laughs) is. yes exactly loved that minute (laughs) absolutely loved that minute that's one of my four points that I liked about this episode but delete this episode save that scene put it in another episode make that other episode even better
1: didn't you like that line where he said um, he was talking about River and he says "Uh, I know you miss her but couldn't you just write a poem Okay, yeah. since we're
0: since we're on a nod all wankathon, I really like the scene where, <laughs> where they're talking about like uh, oh capital cities around the world. He's just looking at the map and he's just constantly yeah. correcting the dogs. Mm, well, I mean, New York isn't a capital city. I really like that scene. So yeah. can, the can, timing I point out, in it is perfect.
2: Can I point out yeah. that in that scene there is also a pin in Los Angeles? <laughs> uh, really, <laughs> it's just the same country, the United States of America. Also, not a capital city. Completely goes without comment. What were the set dresses? thinking
0: <laughs> i didn't know, i didn't even look at the map to be honest
2: someone just thought ah there really aren't enough pins in north america we need to make this look nicer by being
0: <laughs> utterly wrong i don't even think that's the case i think they repurposed a map prop from something else and it just already came with pins
2: Nah, nah, nah. because there were pins also in cardiff and edinburgh i think someone put a lot of effort into this map and we're like you know what we should give wales and scotland their own shouts out rtd brought it back moffat's running it now there was attention paid to that map but in the wrong way
0: okay i'm intrigued
2: (laughs) also how many buildings do harmony shoals have to put up in the balkans like another every couple of years (laughs)
0: yeah but that's how you get shit done dude (laughs)
2: Do they really care that much about the Montenegrin president? Apologies to our fans in Montenegro. Yeah, I'm sure we have one. (laughs) (laughs) Write in. Please write in. If you're listening to us from Montenegro, we would be thrilled to have you aboard.
0: Yeah, I know you're out there. I am thrilled. No no conjunctive or conditional required.
1: (laughs) My (laughs) natural segue from the map points was going to be the plan to blow up New York to then get all the government people to hide out in the buildings they'd put in every capital city, get all the most important people and then take them all over. I thought that was a bloody genius plan, actually. Wait, that sounds like
0: like a terrible plan now that you've said it out loud. That's horrible. What is that?
1: (laughs) No, it's brilliant. Like, (laughs) isn't it? I think most of the time we have really shit villains who don't have a plan or it's just like, we're going to destroy you all. Oh, but no, it just seemed like very thought through and...
0: Okay, so now put yourself sensible. in the position of the leader of a country. Yeah. You're, you're the president of the US. There's or, just... Montenegro, or Montenegro. Or Montenegro. Or totally Montenegro. Or Montenegro. I'm going to be
1: Merkel, if that's okay.
0: Fine, you can be Merkel. Yeah, size <laughs> isn't everything. Someone has now taken out most of your country, or at the very least, your capital city, in which, by the way, you live.
2: Yeah, what are you going to do, Milo Djukanovic? <laughs> I'm going to go into the one
1: building that no! still survives.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You are in your capital city, whichever your country in. Someone's just blown it up by crashing a spaceship into it or whatever. No, it no, launched no. a nuke against it.
1: No, you've misunderstood. They're only going to blow up New York. And then all the leaders of the other capital cities all around the world go oh, And they threaten all right. okay, okay. to blow up the other ones. Right. This, just they, no, sorry, you- this just got even yeah. worse. No, I'm sorry. This
0: just got worse. Okay.
1: No, no, no. Ojkanovic
2: no. is looking across town at this big Harmony Shoals building in Podgorica, thinking, you know what? <laughs> that would be a good place to go. I'm going yeah, to get my hold on somewhere.
0: chill, Wikipedia. It's the okay, only hang on. I've got. <laughs>
1: that's like standing in New York.
0: This is no. I'm sorry. That's redonkulous. Fine. I, I get what you're saying, Marie. New York so... is just
1: a pit of hell, and there's just one <laughs> building
0: on a tiny you... little island. Yeah,
1: and and now
0: you are in a completely different country on a completely different. Continent, you know that New York's been blown up, n- not the capital city of that country, by the way. And all of a sudden, you get a phone call from some corporate exec in your city who just goes yeah, I mean, you probably want to take your entire cabinet and come into our office building because, coincidentally, that one building, our corresponding office in the New York, is the only one left standing over there because
2: Yeah, and it's built to the same could...
0: specs
1: Yeah, That's
0: ridiculous. With... no, you're the, the president, you'd be like, no, stand... I'm gonna go into my bunker, thank you very much, the sorry The glass Mary.
1: could withstand four nuclear bombs Can your bunker withstand four yeah. nuclear bombs? You,
0: you know what I would say as the president if someone told me that, I'd be like why the fuck did you invest so much in your windows? No one needs window windows by the way, not even the not even the skeleton of the building, just the windows that can withstand four nuclear blasts. No one's telling me how many megatons by the way, just four nuclear blasts insert megatons wherever you like. <laughs> good point. Nonsense. Sorry, makes no sense. <laughs> Leon, you've just removed one of the four good points about this episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I feel like I'm talking myself down as well. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that's
2: ever happened on me, by way. Which leads me to wonder: Is this the first time we've had an alien force who have invaded, who would then pretend to stage the initial invasion to get everyone else to panic? I I feel oh. like surely that idea has isn't this precedes so- this episode?
0: Uh, yeah, maybe I'm misremembering, but isn't that sort of what the Sontarans do when they team up with not Mark Zuckerberg to put like smoke machines in cars? Oh yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, is that yeah, what they do? Yeah. I feel like that's yeah, sort of what they guy. That's the one, yeah. Is that what they do? Maybe I'm totally misremembering the, the idea. Maybe the maybe the gas was poisonous actually.
2: Yeah. And now Capaldi's saying, What a brilliant plan! This is a far superior plan to anything I've seen before as the doctor. Kind of full split. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, wait, this alien ship that is meant to eventually be a bomb. A less than four nuclear devices of indeterminate megatonnage. Uh, bomb. <laughs> yeah.
2: Why are you? That's a great band name. Indeterminate (laughs) (laughs) megatonnage. That is our new band name.
0: Oh, excellent! I'm looking forward to our first jam session. So, so why steer that ship towards New York? Why not just aim it towards, let's say, the sun, and then try to head towards the Tardis?
2: Because Capaldi says the controls. Are fixed, but there's still a little bit of wiggle room.
0: Okay, how about the ocean?
2: As in the East River, that's like a few hundred meters to the right. Well, tsunami, dude! You're gonna wipe out people on both sides of the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, and all the fish. You <laughs> kill the fish. Yeah, what about the fish
2: stocks? We're gonna starve. Okay. What about the Massachusetts fishermen? Do you care nothing for the trawler industry.
0: <laughs> They will develop a new industry from the the wreckage of the spaceship, but at yeah, least the they will be alive. industry,
2: because all this radioactive shit is hitting the seabed. Yeah, and that's better than being light. dead,
0: dude. Everyone's everyone's <laughs> like in the fish market is replaced by a giant mutant nuclear lizard market, and uh, but they remain alive. That's great. And then they, you know, at the end of the day, they go home to their families. They're like, oh, hey, Brad, Lisa, how was your day at the nuclear giant? Lizard market. No, you know, I just need a shower because you know what it's like working in the giant nuclear lizard market. You end yeah. up smelling like a giant nuclear lizard, and then yeah. they have a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, this makes sense to me.
2: I, I I just can't stop buzzing. I need to get in the shower. <laughs> I've remembered a line from a point we were making 20 minutes ago about the sub-DOM relationship. Uh, He's okay. holding the nuclear bomb ship, whatever, yeah. in his hand. Yeah. And he says to her, please don't slap me. I think I'm holding a giant bomb. <sighs> he just...
0: They are... To him in- so, uh,
2: there is no reason to say that.
0: You know what? Yeah. I suddenly view this episode in a new light. I, I have a newfound respect for this. I mean, I'm, I'm neither... <laughs> sub nor dom personally in terms of like slapping people around the place but I absolutely respect that some people are. I think this episode is actually incredibly candid about the sub dom enclave of society. I, yeah, no, hats off episode. Hats off.
2: Gimp masks on.
0: Yeah. Leon,
2: you've brought up that this is a Christmas episode.
0: Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Yeah, is I feel it? like I did this like half an hour ago as well. But I mean, no one's checking. It's fine. <laughs>
2: well, the fact is, is that completely passed me by because there's fuck all Christmassy about
0: it. Yes, thank you. Absolutely true.
2: And you know what? You know what really bugs me is that the first part of this episode, the cold open, takes place in New York in on Christmas in 1992. And there aren't two hooligans throwing bricks at this little kid from the roof of a building on the other side of the street. Wait, we don't what? go to Rockefeller Plaza and there's a giant Christmas tree and there's that this me. Yeah, That feels
0: like the one Christmas thing that you do in New York. You also need to have snow in New York and you have like yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, there's going to be Rockefeller Plaza, there's going to be some ice skating, there's going to be the lighting of the tree, there's going to be like snowy Central Park. Yeah, none with of that. With that
2: woman with all the pigeons who flies they'll fly off her at Joe Pesci and... Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. We we want that crazy homeless lady with the pigeons from yeah, Home Alone in 2. In New
2: York, in 1992, Home Alone 2, why are there no references to it? Oh.
0: <laughs> Only now do I understand what you're talking about, bricks being thrown at people. I did not get that and at then, the start, I'm sorry.
1: Me too. Like if you had a really like hardcore Christmas in New York... <laughs>
0: I remember when I was in New York in 1992 And someone threw bricks at me Oh shit, Drew I mean, you're complaining about 2016 I mean, let's have a conversation about 1992
1: (laughs) Um is the modern day stuff supposed to be Christmas Day as well?
2: I'm not sure actually because there's no Christmas dinner, is there? They're all around a table at
1: the end. Is that a, is that a Christmas dinner scene? It doesn't.
0: It doesn't look like it.
1: No. so literally the only Christmas thing is the first like five minutes with little kid Grant. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst Christmas episode ever. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Can his parents
0: please be arrested? By the way, like. <laughs> 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 This, this kid should be sent to child services His parents should be put in jail Or at the very least be made to wear ankle bracelets I don't understand Why they're okay with like Oh yeah, no, that's okay, Timmy What's his name? Grant Grant Yeah <laughs> That's okay, Grant. No, no, here's some milk and cookies in the middle of the night when you should be sleeping in your room with a window that, for some weird reason, good point past me, that you can open. Yeah. (laughs) On the 60th floor. On the 60th floor. No, that's okay. Why don't you go and talk to some old man that just crawled through your window to put something in your mouth that he fished out of a red hole. Great. Yep, yep. We're
2: going to roll right over and go back to sleep, if that's okay with you. See you in the morning, maybe.
0: You have keys to the front door, right? And to to the roof terrace, Great. Yeah, yeah. Just knock yourself out, buddy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just let him take you to any uninhabited part of the building he likes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is utter garbage.
1: Not that I want to defend this episode in any way, but I sort of assumed that she, the mum thought that he was just having like crazy Christmas dreams. There actually isn't a guy at the 60th floor, because how would he get there? Through um, the window like, that
0: her son can open.
1: Well, yeah, that's surely a <laughs> design floor.
0: I um, going to be <laughs> up there.
2: They're yeah, a, a whole floor there? down from the roof. One
0: whole floor the doctor is super duper worried about falling from the 60th floor and he's reacting in a way that is almost the polar opposite of how rea- he reacted when he literally was falling from a top floor window in uh, Heaven Sent. You know, when he throws himself out the window to save himself and he oh, yeah, retreats yeah. into his mind palace which is the TARDIS and he calculates stuff and he's being like incredibly... He's being clever.
2: Yeah, and the music... It's the clever music. It's the... Wah, wah.
0: And and he's being so doctory and so cleverly, uh, cleverly, (laughs) clevery, that he effectively freezes time. His mental faculties are faster than time passing. Mm. And we get the, I feel almost the exact opposite of that in this scene. Do
2: you know what what we also get the exact opposite of?
0: Smith and Jones. Smith and Jones. Oh,
2: Smith and Jones, yeah. Smith and Jones, Sarah Lancashire is on the roof. Tenant is dangling from a, as far as I remember, entirely ordinary rope, which he somehow manages to sonic. And I think at the time we were like, you can't sonic a rope. This rope has electrical spark stuff in
0: it. That's true. Yeah.
2: There is some electronic component. Does he use the sonic
0: on it? Like, fuck, he does. He's just going to fall to his death. And that was a trap. I mean, we, we did not solve this mystery in our first review of this episode. What is that object on on the rooftop? Why is it booby-trapped? What? Like, what is the... Fu- I don't understand what the function of I any of this is.
2: I think it's booby-trapped because he needs it to work for a very, very long time before he can finally return to New
1: York. Oh, wait, he's already there. Yeah, this story but, does
0: not check out. No.
1: who? Yeah, who is he trying to get in this trap? And what happens to them now that the trap's failed? I'm assuming think it's unrelated it really
0: to percent. Harmony Shoal, right? Yeah.
2: No, no, I think this is an entirely different thing. Harmony Shoals comes 24 years later. This isn't a setup, this is a coincidence.
0: Wow. No, Talk unrelated. about edging if you don't come for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, dear. Unrelated to Harmony Shawl, I think it's a different... It's supposed to be a different monster, but they... I don't know. They never talk about it. Like, it's never clarified what it is. It just didn't turn up. I don't think
2: there's a monster. I think he's just trying to keep people away from meddling with the, I guess the gemstone I guess Joe Pesci and uh, what's his name?
1: I feel like there are more remote places I feel like there are more remote places to hide a gemstone than the top of someone's building if you don't yes. want people
0: to mess with it <laughs> Like, why on that rooftop? Why that building of all buildings? It's not the tallest building in town. It's not the Angels Hotel. It's not very well Oh my god, yes! Wait, is the Angels Hotel also in New York? It is in New York because they go to Central Park. Oh oh my goodness.
2: It's that episode where Matt Smith is like, yeah, I can't ever return to New York and see you guys again.
0: That's right, yeah. Not even Daniel Stern is there. Mm, Indeed. (laughs) He said having just IMDb'd home alone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I thought the cold open was one of the better bits, but it makes almost as little sense as the rest of it. Why isn't the first thing Grant says when the doctor scarfs all the cookies immediately, now give me your presents, you superannuated a-hole, or my mom's calling (laughs) the cops. (laughs) What sort of
1: Santa claws are you? You ain't got no beard. You're a Scottish asshole. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he gives him a like a gummy bear to eat, a special gummy bear. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, but okay. How I'm sorry. How dumb is this child? Here no, is no, no. a here's a rock. Here is a gemstone, <laughs> and you look at it, and you're like, hmm. Yeah, looks like medicine to me. I'm going <laughs> to not bite into this. Just, I'm going to swallow this oversized, red, clearly gemstone. How dumb is Kid Grant? He's eight years
2: old. Everything is oversized to a, a kid. No, that, uh,
0: yeah, but this thing that, is like, what? This thing is, let's say, ten times the size of your average pill. Like, of your average piece of medicine.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's my, my translucent
0: is... and it's yeah, rock kids, hard.
1: Kids swallow, like... Coins and le- pizza Lego and all sorts like. You- Do
0: they you are you anything. serious? Do they I am okay, not only yeah. am I getting a vasectomy, I am Little slamming my figures. dick and balls in a door frame like this instant. That is crazy bananas. <laughs>
2: my problem isn't him swallowing it it's that the doctor says it'll pass looking before. forward to that and that's gonna blow his tiny kid penis apart
0: and oh, then comes oh, back like, drew now i'm picturing a tiny kid penis thank didn't
1: you ask you
2: to do that just ask you to accept the biological plausibility of my statement
1: i don't know why you expect it to come out of the penis end it's not like yeah no you're
0: right
2: It'd be like a gallbladder stone. It's well, yeah. I suppose I suppose okay. passing uh, captures both orifices.
1: Yeah. yeah actually, my, can we talk about that because we didn't in the first one. Is, oh, sorry. It, no, my issue with that is that he says, "Okay, yeah, sure, kid, that'll pass." And instead of coming back to him a week later to see if it's passed, it <laughs> exactly. comes back when he's in high school. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Just like <laughs> literally like,
0: wait, not even a week. Wait until the morning, and then just we should have a cutscene of Capaldi just rummaging through Grant's shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it abides by the laws of chewing gum and it takes seven years and that's what he was working on.
0: I think when he goes and visits Grant in high school, I think his assumption should not be, oh, it has now fused with your DNA. It should be, oh, you're human self-appearing yourself, aren't you? Like, you're pooping it out and then you're eating it again and you're pooping it out and you're eating it again. (laughs) Because no yep. one's buying this Oh, I don't want to see all of my classmates Naked shtick Like, that is a clear, <laughs> false alibi
1: <laughs> My other issue with him Rocking up in high school Is exactly the scene that you really liked Earlier, early Leon, when Nardole's like It's been 24 years <laughs> And, um <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, I don't oh. feel like that's the tone But carry on <laughs> Like, of course it's been 24 years Because he spent the last 24 with the Doo River on that tower singing place But no, it hasn't been 24 years Because he was in high school So he was like, what, 15 He's now not We were trying to work out how old he was Last time He was 8 on the roof
2: Yeah, He's been 24 years, he's 32
0: I think you'll find that in the first recording of this uh, In the first review of this I was like, 100% This kid is 8, no more, no less, I get it (laughs)
1: But that's my point, is that it hasn't been 24 years, because it's it's not the last time he saw him wasn't when he was eight. He saw him as a teenager.
2: Yeah, true.
1: So it doesn't work.
2: Needs a redraft. He only had a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can I say, Marie, you thought... He can't be thirty-four last time. He's gotta be way younger, but Grant was played by Justin Chatwin,
0: who yeah, was of Dragon Ball Z fame.
2: Yeah, who was thirty-four at the time this episode. Aired.
0: <gasps> no way, thirty-four 34. <laughs> Yep, he was born in nineteen eighty two in what? British Columbia, Canada. Wait, what was his name? Justin? Justin Chatwin. Justin, what's your secret, man? I'm I'm thirty seven. I wanna know what you what you did when you were three years younger than I am now to look like you were seventeen years younger. Younger than I am now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Justin Chatwin also has another connection to Superman. Oh, really? Justin Chatwin was in the pilot's episode of Smallville, playing the major, nay, integral character, Teen Jostled by Whitney.
0: Oh. I, can, I, can I also be the first to say, hot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound great, but it's way better than Teen Inducted into a Cult by Chloe. Also, how old do you think Tom Welling was by the time the final episode of Smallville aired?
0: Wait, who's Tom Welling?
1: Oh, he's super old. I saw this the other day. Oh, did he he's play like Superman? 34. 34? I was going to say 40. <laughs>
0: Wait, is he not still in high school at the end of Smallville? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Tom Welling, what was your secret? Wait, Justin, I'm no longer impressed. Tom, g- get in touch.
1: <laughs> he's a superhero. What do you expect? So's Justin! <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the secret then, Leon. You've worked it out. Damn
0: it! All right. If anyone's looking for me, I'll be up on the roof trying to fly.
1: <laughs> Swallowing all the red things you find. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, I mean the story of my life. So
1: next time <laughs> a man gives you a stone, just eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that,
0: <laughs> yep. yeah. That's uh, that's my quotidien in a, in an nutshell.
2: <laughs> yeah. How many stones have you eaten that were given to you by random strangers, Leon?
0: So when you say stones. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just saying that might be why you're not a superhero. Damn it. Just super popular.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I don't know what popular. Podcast Land thinks about my <laughs> my sexual proclivities after <laughs> after all of these weird hypotheses Okay, yeah, anyway. Can I ask an in-episode logic question? This is a yeah. slight departure from the it's hitherto hour long we all it, it turns out hate this episode. <laughs> Convo. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I mean, I would like to retract my former statement of I like this episode more the second time around than the first time, that, but I won't because it's true. I did, but I still are probably going to give it a lower score than I did the first time around. Anyway, so <laughs> How <did that> work? <laughs> I don't know. I think possibly this is a more. Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay. okay. In episode logic question I'm curious about mm. his powers. Yes. Do his powers not affect everything? You know, like even things that are not him, biologically, physically him. Because we do get, for example, we do get that scene where he clicks his fingers and he lights a candle.
2: Yeah, and he clicks his fingers and the Ford nuclear X megaton blast-proof windows just shatter!
0: Yes, yeah. Also, another perfect example. I guess you could maybe make the argument that, no, it's just him. Physically, biologically, it's just his body. So, like, the, the suit isn't even made up. The suit is a literal suit. Somehow he's managed to buy or build a bulletproof suit, <laughs> which I don't buy, but that when he he's, uh, snaps his fingers, he can direct the power of the snap to either, you know, light a candle or shatter one specific window. But I don't think that's the case. I feel like he's able to he's basically a genie. He's able to manipulate the entire world around him. Where do you stand on this?
1: I just feel like if that was true, he hasn't done a very good job of it. Exactly, right?
2: And it is true. His powers are ill-defined and apparently limitless. He could very easily snap his fingers and everybody on the roof when they are holding Lucy to ransom could just be flung backwards to the parapets at the edge. Um, The gun could fly out of the hand. He could snap his fingers when the guy fires the gun at Lucy's head. The bullet could just stop in midair. All he has to do is siphon a bit of power from this poor yellow sun all the inhabitants of that star system by the way are burning all the fossil fuels they can because he is just drawing the power out of that star their world is going cold because he's got a levitation boner in high school that he can't
0: control (laughs) I'm trying to picture a levitation boner by the way so okay so
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I I, I did quite like that levitation
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the levitation scene is pretty good I mean yeah and that's another Christmas episode Exception You know Like why is no one else Noticing this Is he not constantly Levitating in class At the most Inopportune moments I'm not speaking From experience (laughs) Like Is that not a thing You know But Did
2: you We always petrified on the way to the dentist... Petrified you, is the
0: exact right word. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that you would get a rock hard direction while you were, you know, lying back in the dentist's chair. It would be more prominent than at any other time, perhaps in your life. And the dentist would be like, wow, you've got a weird thing for oral inspection.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I mean, uh, speaking of someone who wore braces for two and a half years as a teenager, yeah. uh, no, I don't think I ever had a dentistry-related bone. <laughs> Neither
2: did I, but I was terrified that it would happen. Sure. I was the no, the way
0: no. oh no please please Do don't know, Marie I appreciate these. that you can't necessarily bring us a. oh, oh no I didn't want to have this boner related anecdote of your own but like I mean just you know sit back and relax and enjoy the show I... I love
1: these moments <laughs> I feel like I get to know you guys a little bit more
0: <laughs> sorry slight tangent but you know what only slights so only... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah hey what are you saying oh <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, okay, okay. Seriously, though, so do the powers only, like, is he able to fly, or could he suddenly become a godlike entity that could govern everything in the universe as long as there still remains power in the sun from, you know, whence the diamond or whatever draws its power?
2: Well, that's exactly it. One sun isn't going to allow cosmic domination, but it's Fine, going to but could he not control other people?
0: Sure, definitely. And does it not react to his sublimation subconscious desires.
2: I mean, I see where you're going with this. You're wondering why doesn't he bend Lucy to his will rather than the other way around? Like,
0: yeah, you're right. Exactly, That's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, it's not even a question of him bending anyone to his will. It's that subconsciously would he not have caused himself to basically be living his best life?
2: Well, you mentioned him being a genie earlier and one of the things, at least in Disney's Aladdin, that they made explicit was that the genie can't make someone fall in love with someone else. I feel like that rule is implicitly being adhered to here but it's never said but without
1: it doesn't make sense
0: Hmm.
1: (laughs) i have no comeback (laughs) let's talk about the monsters the harmony Shoal people yes
0: excellent excellent Mm. suggestion so Mm.
1: we had them last week uh a year ago last 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 year yeah um (laughs) I am not sure. I really like them. I really like the concept. I said this last time and I like this the same, like the opening up the head. It's all squelchy. It's delicious. I love it. Uh, we take the gun out. Delicious. But the, my <laughs> my issue is we take we open the head, we take the gun out why isn't the brain there? Where's yes. this brain that they've stolen? I,
0: I've made the exact same observation. I'm looking at my notes. Like it, it, it seems as though their entire body is filled with almost sort of semi-solid gloop. He opens his head, the dude opens his head, the gun is stuck in there, but it's not stuck inside a brain. It's stuck in inside, like all of his insides are blue, and there's just yeah. the hollowed out gun in there.
2: Yeah. Where else are they going st- uh, to stow, stow the Brain. Do they have the pop brain bellies now that the <laughs> abdominal cavity is the only other place that could be stretched to accommodate it
1: so, well they uh, he, uh, there was a point where he tap they're in the room with all the brains and he taps on the glass and the brain like opens its eyes which is the worst effect
0: i love it <laughs> i love it i'm sorry i love it
1: but yeah does uh, the eyes in the brain supposed to be like the eyes looking out of the body that they take over. Because did we see a guy... (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Did we see a guy at the end without a brain? Because the eyes blink in the same way. Yeah, exactly. I think they're supposed to be the eyes, so the brain should be at least like a little bit lower down than a human brain, maybe, but in the face area. Yeah, exactly. It should be inside the cranium. Yeah,
2: That would require a more expensive model. One of the things I hate about this episode is that we have aliens all over it throughout it they're the bad guys they don't seem like aliens at all they do Almost exactly the same thing they did a year ago. Add nothing new to it apart from brains with eyes that pop out, and most
1: yeah, of the I time think, um, they're completely human. They also have surgeons that live in walls for some reason. <sighs> yeah, that's odd.
0: So we have surgeons, <laughs> but they seem to be drones. They seem to be almost sort of almost mechanical drones. We get to see uh, them on the spaceship right. as well, and there's like a little bleepy thing inside their cranium, but. I have to say, I love the eyes, and I mentioned this in the Instant-ish reaction review as well. This is a callback to Classic Who.
2: Mm. Yeah, but it's less impressive than Classic Who. All they do is appear and blink a bit, and that's it. There is even a question set up as to, another dozen brains have appeared and it's really mysterious and that
0: mystery isn't resolved the
2: extra 12 brains they mentioned never any hint of where they're coming from they're not coming from the ship that's empty
0: yeah exactly no you're Ah. right because these are alien brains these aren't human it's not like oh we've taken over another dozen humans because why would you keep the excuse me why are
1: you keeping the human brains yeah, no, this is, okay, so the where do the first dozen brains come from? Because the guy that he brings into the room to show him the brains, he knows the brains are there, and then he's like, look, count again, there's more now. But And then they attack him, and then they take his brain out, presumably. But he yeah. already expects there to be 12 brains in that, that room. Whose brains are they, and why is he okayed this. Yeah.
0: Who's okaying all these
1: brains? <laughs> the super brains.
2: But, but it's but there's no reason why they should start to add up. It's a brain for a brain. An eye yeah. for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a brain for a brain. It's,
0: it's ridiculous. Alternative lyrics to that Nick Cave song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The mercy seat. Yes, exactly. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a brain for a, a brain. A brain for a brain. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and this is just after the mystery you talked about last time, Leon. Where, well, we've already talked about it tonight. The cleaner just goes, and they see her leaving with the
0: cleaner, and they're like. Oh. I'm sure it'll be fine Has Fletcher been Cleaning that floor For the The past like Eight hours She's still there Mopping the floors. Like this is my alibi No one question it what And they're like yeah, We're just gonna go ahead And do you know Business as usual Why is there a single Human cleaner there If they yeah. are there After hours When there are fewer witnesses Why aren't they the first To get aliens
1: Precisely They should be
0: um... Yeah They The security staff Anyone who is Super ambitious And works You know overtime. They are the first to get brained Ugh No, oh, I didn't realize how angry I was at this. It's it's (laughs) so annoying that they keep the human brains. It's almost like a trophy. Oh, yeah, no, we wasted a jar on this person that we're never going to revisit. By the way, yeah, a human brain can't survive if you just cut it out of the body. We're we're just keeping it for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, do you know what else is dumb? I've got another thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When Mr. Brock
2: (laughs) is being left in the room by Dr. Sim, Dr. Uh Sim has explained very patiently, very clearly, the procedure we look i'm opening up my own head etc you see these brains like one of these brains is going into you buddy and then they start to close in and brock all brock can say is what's happening what are you doing it's like Fuck you, Brock. You deserve this. If anything, Aww. and the doctor is munching on sushi. People liked this last time. Maybe
0: you still like it now. I did.
1: It's so stupid.
0: It's so fun. I'm sorry. It's a. It's a lot of fun. Marie, please back me up on this. It's a fun I don't scene, know.
1: Right? <laughs> It is, I fun, I think it is a fun. scene, but if you stop and think about it for any stretch, it's yeah, it is dumb. It's yeah, all dumb. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's for him to have to be loud enough to be
2: audible for there for it to be ridiculous, he has to go <laughs> and his mouth is opening.
0: I'm. Oh, yeah. No. Sorry.
2: Discomfort <laughs> in having to do that because he's too much of a gentleman. Okay. Okay. Was like, no wider. No. He, did, he didn't do that, earring.
0: Drew. He didn't do that. That's all folly. That like Capaldas was it eating sushi in his usual <laughs> silent way and then that was replaced with foley created by some foley artist like F-ing a bag of cabbage
2: that's your foley for everything
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it too late to write in a sushi eating scene into strange readings can we do that <laughs> yes it is yes it is oh, so damn it. <laughs> i was i was just going to volunteer for some foley duty so the <laughs> the doctor and k9 walk among a giant field of cabbages <laughs> Canine, carry on. Why don't you? I need. I need uh, seven and a half minutes of alone time. I think that scene is. I think that scene is really hilarious. I think Capaldi. He gets to flex a little bit in. Again, silly Christmas-style he gets to flex. Like, if this were any other time of the year, this would be so silly that I, too, would rate it down. But the fact that it's a Christmas episode, I'm okay with the Doctor going like, oh, Yeah, no, I always bring a snack. It's then later called back to when he just hands a like, random hamburger <laughs> to the bad guys. I like it. I think that's that's a solid gag. Hey, Moff, I know you're listening. Well done, buddy.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think the perfect example of how a callback to something stupid just doubles the amount of stupidity is Mr. Huffle. And the burger and the sushi fulfill the same brief. So, Moffat, you had a whole year, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> Where were you on the set of Sherlock? Obviously, I think Clearly. that's really, I think that is really clear. Who else thinks that Grant sneezing in Doc's face hasn't aged well? Wait, when does he sneeze in Doc's face? Like very early at the beginning, like that. In fact, uh, through the oh, window, as I a think. child,
0: yeah, little yeah, kid
2: yeah, yeah. Grant, yeah. That was a lot more horrific five years on.
0: <laughs> that's true, yeah.
2: But suddenly, the scariest scene in the episode. <laughs> Hmm. Young Grant, by the way, was played by Logan Hoffman. that's a name. That's a
0: freaking excellent name. Why is that dude not a celebrity?
2: Because he has no other acting credits, and frankly, giving him one for this is generous, but this was his only role.
0: Oh, don't be mean, Drew. Marie, I'm 100% on board. Name alone, this dude should be, like, running the red carpet. Absolutely. Logan Hoffman. Logan, I hope you're... I I can't even say Logan with a straight face. That's just too... Cool. Logan, <laughs> seriously, I'm not kidding, buddy. If you're listening, I mean, it, it, star in the making. Get back into showbiz.
2: Well, he's that young that he he's probably still in school. He still could. I mean, I shouldn't uh, write off his acting career before it's even started necessarily. That's true. He's yeah. also young enough to have been named after Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine slash Logan. Holy moly. No, <laughs> what? <laughs> while we're on the subjects of the cast yeah uh dr sim was played by alexander jovanovich you yeah. wondered where he was from last time he was born in rottweil germany he is a literal rottweiler oh nice. No.
1: That is pretty well, rad. Have you,
2: seen, have you seen him on German TV? Because he's been in tons of German TV.
1: Uh, I mean, we've only no. really watched uh, the German version of Bake Off, so... <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Oh, what was it called again? We were talking about
1: this the other night. What was it called again? Das Große Backen.
0: Oh, Das Große Backen. Yeah, yeah. Mm, really good
1: show.
0: <laughs> hey, German listeners, what's up with your Das Große Backen? Seriously, I Google imaged it. This
2: guy's presenting. Everyone's too scared to... <laughs> Nothing else apart from what he wants.
0: Yeah, this dude was like mega badass. Yeah, he's he, he cool. He, was. he d- genuinely was. Holy smokes.
2: There are a couple of times in this episode that it calls itself cheap. Logan, sorry, Grant, (laughs) well, Logan Hoffman playing young Grant calls Capaldi's Heath Robinson contraption on the roof cheap. And then when they're in the spaceship that is being held with the cycling nuclear units, Matt Lucas as says, this is rubbish, isn't it? It's strange. This episode does hate itself a bit. I've just thought of a third bit, which is when Capaldi makes some... Sort of comment to the effect of the earth has the same plan, it always does me. And Matt Smith goes, uh, Matt Smith, fuck's sake, names. Matt Lucas goes, hey, and Capaldi goes, don't do that. And then it's like, oh, this is just sad and abusive. No, and I liked it.
0: Deflation
2: really. I liked it. Oh. Yeah, what do th- you think, Marie?
0: Marie, please, come on, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, it's yeah. so good on my side. Come on,
1: please. <laughs> I don't know. I just like nodal Nardole. nodal's the only good thing in it, so yes, I don't want school. him to be. So exactly, the Doctor is putting up. him down. Exactly. Don't don't shut Nardle up. Yeah, He's but I mean, even point. in the last
0: Christmas episode, the Doctor was super anti-Christmas and super, you know, curmudgeon and we thought it was fun.
1: It's not anti-Christmas because there's no Christmas in this episode. No, that's yeah, true. It's he just has anti- to be Yeah. Yeah. Why did he bring Nardole back if he hates him so much?
0: Because noddle is excellent and a... Matt Lucas is a legend.
1: Yeah, but he could find a companion anywhere. Like, why does he... He can't have rebuilt him to keep him around if and then be annoyed by him. He didn't. He doesn't have to keep him around. Like, he should find some humour in him and be... be enchanted by him.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, just, that is just...
1: true. What I really object to is Capaldi
2: can have his line and Matt Lucas can go, hey, hey, and then move on to the next cool thing and have another cool thing rather than, you yeah. know, like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, don't we're not drawing attention to the fact that we're trying to be cool. We know we're probably not, so, oh, and then in the course of this explanation, we've proved that we're not. And, no, just just be fun. Oh,
0: I, I don't know, man. It, okay, I, I think Matt Lucas is an absolute legend. Like, a, as a person, he's a total legend. As Nardol, he is incredibly charming, and I, I love him as Nardol. I, I like the character, the companion that is Nardol. I think he's fantastic.
2: I don't have any problem with Nardole in that scene. Like Marie, I have a problem with Capaldi's treatment of Nardole. I think that
0: goes down to Capaldi being Grinch-like for this Christmas episode. Like, Capaldi's... I think it it might be fair to say that for all of his Christmas specials, Capaldi's character arc is he starts off as Grinch, he ends up as, like, the the boy who loves Santa more than anything. Or who loves Christmas more than anything. And this is kinda no different. Like he, He's super curmudgeon, he's he's against not, nod, whatever, you know, he starts off curmudgeon, he ends up, uh, uh, shit, I'm shooting myself in the foot, also <laughs> curmudgeon. Okay, doesn't matter, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, okay, it doesn't matter. This
2: episode because on the roof, with Grant, he's very patient <laughs> with Grant, and quite personable, and quite friendly.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah,
1: he has a backwards arc this time round.
0: Best arcs. Mm-mm, arcing <laughs> backwards good stuff <laughs> we
2: talked about this a bit earlier about grant's ill-defined powers he can hear at a superhuman frequency capaldi is talking to him with the sonic stuffed into the console of the ship it's plummeting towards earth he's the only human on this planet who can hear this yeah i watched this episode again which i did not want to do but i did <laughs>
0: just to see you're a hero had, you're a hero if
2: this had been set up i am the true superhero of this entire project <laughs> i wanted to see if that had been set up in any way like could he hear the baby crying across town no he's got the baby monitor that's how he hears it what, it you're is right. never it is never established that this is one of his powers and yet it's crucial to the resolution absolutely crucial
0: why does he carry the baby monitor around shouldn't he be able to distinguish that particular baby's voice
1: cuz i think they they make a point of it so that he can be all heroic at the end and that's why you know he catches the bomb with one hand because he can't drop the baby monitor but then he does um, by the way so that's the payoff <laughs> oh <does> yeah he- <laughs> doesn't seem like it's worth it. It would have been a lot cooler if you could have just heard a baby from across the city. I mean,
0: it's still very efficient. I mean, I didn't notice until I mean, I didn't realise at all whilst watching this.
2: Yeah, but, but my point is that if your superhero just has another power in reserve there's no peril in any scene you can just power X superhero that whole thing. Well, this
1: is what we it, said about the rooftop. He could have easily got out of the rooftop scenario with all of the skills we've already seen him use. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I'm yeah. i'm just sort
2: of reiterating that at no point did i actually feel a that i cared about these characters and b if i had cared for them that i would in any way imagine they were close to
0: annihilation
1: yeah
2: I
0: think that's fair
2: the gemstone is a portable dna bonded tardis it will just do whatever the writer wants yeah still
0: kind of charming right
2: <laughs> Leon, i think you had a point
0: You're
1: so positive, Leon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I do try. (laughs) Okay, fine. Uh, On that note, here's a negative. It's not so much a negative, it's it's more of a surprise, actually. That Mr. Brock, before he has been brained, or de-brained, as it were, he still is portrayed as incredibly creepy. Okay, fine, I get it. But, they also get give him the will open your mind" gag,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which in 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 hindsight seems like an an ill timed gag. That seems like something he should say after he has been brained. Mm, definitely. Isn't that yeah, weird? And- like that's super weird that he's saying that. He it, it's in the very beginning. It's in the um where's the little boy's room scene. Yeah. He Wh- who are the, your we-
2: research benefactors? I can't find any of them.
0: Yeah. I, we've we i've i've buried them in my back uh, backyard. Oh, <laughs> what a charming answer. Yeah, that that's like you're you're a crazy bananas super bonkers chap. You should be behind a somewhere. You're a fucking sociopath. But then on top of which he makes like he's punning in theme with something that hasn't thematically caught up with him yet.
1: Um he does have a room full of brains in jars. Oh, he doesn't
2: know He doesn't have the clearance to know what they're for It's all an elaborate misdirect Which amounts to Hey, you think the black guy is going to be the villain? Guess
0: what, it's the Eastern European We're pretty evolved here at <laughs> Doctor Who Eastern European, by which you mean Germany
1: Germany It's east of here <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's in Europe, which is not here <laughs> Hang on, hang on let, let me look up whether Rottweil was
2: in the former DDR or not right, Go for it <laughs>
1: southwest Germany, buddy, <laughs> Barden, <laughs> My uh, last point was more of a question. I wrote down at the end here, How Shoal has invaded Osgood? Is that, what's what? What's that? What? I don't think they've invaded Osgood.
2: I think a non-rebrained unit grunt is saying, we'll tell Osgood everything that's happened here today. I think but then, uh, that's just wasn't it the one with Osgood the... running the show back
0: from UK.
1: It wasn't the one that then um, did the weird blink and you know that he's already been taken. I thought that was a different one.
0: Uh... I don't know. I, I feel like Marie might be right about this one. I, I'm, I'm just opening the transcript to look for Osgood because I also remember there being a line about that oh it's not the same person not the officer the soldier has a okay. diagonal scar across his face and okay his
2: eyes i didn't know whether out. it <laughs> was Which wasn't was there two minutes earlier and the officer's <laughs> like yeah yeah you're not bleeding so we're i mean to the carry quality the of
0: knowledge. unit soldiers has really deteriorated since the 70s let's be honest
1: it's just that you didn't have a scar across your face a minute ago when i last saw
0: you um, yeah Benton would not uh, have Let that shit slide (laughs) Benton would have Seen a scar And gone Okay Everything's fine Why don't you stay here Quote soldier And then he would have Turned around Talked to Yates Or someone else And gone like Okay seriously Like call the brig Because there's something Really shifty about this dude Boom Done Benton to the rescue Benton I love you You're the best
2: Yeah call the brig We're moving this brigand To the brig (laughs) (laughs) Exactly (laughs) Okay I have to point out The opening comment. Book panels that begin this episode. Oh uh, yes. Because, as I say, I watched Kick Ass, and one of the best bits I found about Kick Ass was when they brought Big Daddy and Hit Girl's backstory in comic book form to three dimensional life. I've seen that done very, very badly, and there it was really good.
0: You mean in, like, but- Angley's <laughs> Hulk? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Angley's Hulk. Oh, really? I mean, it's it's a film. You don't- <laughs> Okay, so clearly
2: the technique is out there and has been used in the past, but this one begins with your just standard comic book double-page spread. The font is Comic Sans. The, yeah. The artistry—either this isn't the best artist available, or it's not their best
0: work. It's—I wouldn't, dude. It's Comic Sans. Comic. Could it be I'm, any more relevant?
2: Could it be any more comicky? <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? That's fine. I didn't mind the comic book Cell thing, like where they're Cutting, I thought that was quite nice to be honest But there was one thing about it That pissed me off and that's that they added a drop Shadow effect to those various Layers, so there's mm. there's one scene th- Or there's one view Where you have one scene taking up roughly Half the screen, and the other half is Divided vertically in two But there's, it's like the the one That takes up half the screen is casting a Shadow onto those two And it makes no sense because when you're oh. looking at a comic book, you open it. It's not like there are different depths or heights to your eyes, and one <laughs> cell is casting a shadow onto the other. So why add a shadow effect? Oh, it really, really? Yeah, that annoys me. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, I, I mean, I up until now I've loved this episode. Now it's like a two point seven. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's Aww. not what I'm giving it. It might be. Who knows? <laughs>
2: My last point is that Marie had a theory back in 2016 that this was in some way a satire on the oversaturation of hackneyed basic superhero storylines. Marie, would you care to tell us your viewpoint on that now?
1: I think what it was that was I was oversaturated with comic book uh, and I wanted it to be a satire. And yeah, listen to the, to our review back again and Nick's point that there's already a lot of crossover between Doctor Who fans and comic book fans and superhero film fans made so much sense. And I was just like, they're not going to rip into superhero films because that's what their audience likes. So it must not be the negative thing that I wanted it to be. And I think I projected onto it because I wanted it to be cleverer than it was. And I don't think it is that. I think it's just they're trying to do a nice homage to it. But yeah, not being a massive fan of superhero stuff myself, I didn't love it. Nick is a fan of superhero stuff and didn't love it, so I don't know who it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh this, this is one for. of those
0: classic lose lose situations.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But even as an homage, there's weird little rye elements to it. Like Moffat can't help being Moffaty. It's not a flat out love letter. No. Or it would be better, wouldn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i think i think that was my logic was that it's so bad it has to be intentional they can't have tried to make a good superhero episode and come up with this i wanted it to be intentional and oh God, so i was you looking for
0: me when we get to minis <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry sorry Marie, go for it i didn't need to talk about you <laughs>
2: No, oh no, that was basically yeah. You did, yeah, you had to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mean,
0: <laughs> your extremist views prompted me. I apologise.
2: <laughs> but what do you think, Drew? Well, like you, I I think this can't be a satire because we've seen Watchmen. or well, Leon and I have seen Watchmen. That there are plenty of angles to take down the two dimensional nature of comic book stories. But this embraces that. This is like the the ridiculous lack of recognition between the two leads and the why can't they just get on with it nature of it that 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 is where Moffat is most enjoying himself just stringing it out so yeah it is sort of wholehearted but it's it's the most annoying bits that he makes the foundation of his homage it's so strange (laughs) that's so
0: true (laughs) I'm gonna save my response to that until we get to many times but I do have one more point as well It's more of an observation than a talking point there's one scene where he very clearly, like, he's about to pull his shirt off, and he's very clearly, or, like, before he pulls his shirt off, he's very clearly wearing the suit underneath. (laughs) That's fine. Like, I guess every superhero film that has the pulling one's shirt off scene has the same problem, because, like, yeah, how are you gonna fit a bulky plastic suit underneath your regular shirt, which otherwise is form fit? Like, that's not gonna work. But does this not just contribute to a, a, a contribute to a, a vestibule full of buttons and <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is he going to do when he comes back Does this presuppose that he is constantly wearing that giant bulky plastic suit underneath his regular clothes?
2: Well, like Nick said last time, it's inconsistently dealt with. Sometimes he just spins and the shirt's back on, buttons and all.
0: I don't think it's inconsistently dealt with. I think this is proof of what I didn't realise the first time around or what I didn't think of the first time around, namely that he does not just control his body, he controls the world. So he can make manifest his... Outfits just by spinning around, just like he can make manifest fresh buttons on his shirt and presumably unmake the buttons in you know in the hallway in the vestibule.
1: Well, the buttons can't just fling off though whenever he rips his shirt off, otherwise the woman'd be walking around going, "Why the heck is yeah. there just buttons everywhere." Like- There are
0: anywhere between 7 and 12 buttons on the floor every time there's a fire across town. What is going on?
2: Why does Grant keep ripping his shirt off? He can't lactate. He's been doing this nanny gig way
0: too long. Oh, please. Why couldn't that be a scene where the the kid is crying? He... Whole rips open his shirt, buttons flying everywhere. We get so much button foley, it's crazy. Like, there's someone just like shagging a piece of cabbage, like you wouldn't believe. And then, cut to he's breastfeeding. Wait, 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 the baby. I can
2: make it sound like buttons. Just just give me a few more minutes. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah.
0: Don't rush me. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. Seriously, don't rush me.
2: I'm an artist.
0: <laughs> Cut two. I mean, and this is like a shot from behind, because obviously this is, I guess this is like P213, it's TV, Doctor Who, whatever, but like, so it's a shot from behind, we don't get to see actual nipple, but he's clearly breastfeeding the kid, and uh, that's it, because the diamond, or the gem, whatever, the thing, the, what's it called, the uh, red thing from the an old man's of butthole?
2: Wishes. The ghost the Hazandra.
0: The <laughs> Hazandra, yeah. It, it allows him to fantasize himself into lactation. Perfect. Fuck, Moff, are you listening to this? Leon just wrote you a better episode. We salvaged it. I mean, it it took a while. It it, it took five years, but you'll be pleased to know we got there in the end.
2: (laughs) Bravo, sir. Bravo.
0: (laughs) Uh, Any other points? Or how about we give this a speedy rating and then jump into Listener Miniland?
1: The second one. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's. <laughs> That's what you sound like,
1: Marie. <laughs> <laughs> you sound weird.
0: And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey la 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 la. Ratings. This
2: is the McCartney Three of New Who. You wait ages for it. It's got a great title, but before halfway, you're dying for it to end. While it chugs along interminably, and ultimately, it's a pet project you wish had never seen the light of day. <laughs> My argument is, if it would be better for for the show, for an episode not to have existed, it should get a 0.0, regardless of how much I like the show the rest of the time. Awful 55, for instance, created such a negative buzz that I think it genuinely damaged the brand. Suddenly Doctor Who was trending, but for the wrong reasons. This didn't quite go that far, but after a year without any who... It wasn't worth putting this, Mysterio, out into the world. Bin it. Let 2016 be the year of the gas leak, because this is poison gas. Apart from when Nardole went all Byzantine, he was worse in this special than in last year's, or he was treated worse. Moffat should have seen how great he was as a Byzantine emperor and lead into that heavily. And everyone else is just too moffat They all have the same way of talking, the pseudo-logical leap powers of deduction, a form of reverse-engineering cleverness that allows them to just declaim conclusions, but they don't always make sense, which is incalculably frustrating also, Lucy Fletcher, he's the president of your planet, but you overlooked that. How good a reporter are you feeling right now? (laughs) When when it's most glaring to me is when Grant does it, talking to Capaldi about everyone being jealous of themselves, because this turn of his is so incongruous with the rest of his character, in that he doesn't have one. But because this line is a Moffatism, it just gets a pass. Ho-hum. However, this does have some nice moments and a few amusing lines, even though many of them are cribbed from pre-existing media. So maybe it just barely merits not being wiped. Although, who wouldn't trade this for recovering Marco Polo or the power of the Daleks? And for every good line, like, in terms you'll understand, sorry, there aren't any, which Capaldi delivers perfectly. So well. Very jealous. There are two bad ones about... I had a change of mind, or we're here to open your minds. If you go looking for shit in this episode, it's everywhere. Underneath the Harmony Shoal sign, next to the cleaner's closet, there's a feature where some streaming bubbles are backlit, rising against a blue background. Woo, that's pretty advanced. It's nothing. It's visual filler, like this episode. This is supposed to be an amazing research institute. How crap is the Japanese security guard, who knows they're not supposed to be there, and then just continues on his way while they have at it with the computer screen, because there's a Bulbasauru downstairs oh my or something.
0: Goodness. All right. All right. Yeah, carry for on. For
2: sake. It looks cheap. It's all set at night because it is cheap. New York, once again, has a population of 50. If you divide 5.0 by 50, you get my rating 0. 0.1. What? Wait.
0: Wait. What? Did you say 0.1? You can't say coming. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Look back over the last hundred minutes And tell me I wasn't clear from the beginning You have just Oh wow I didn't I mean I, I, I'm here like Tapping my Geiger counter And holding it up to my ear To go like Is this still working?
1: Like,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible Wow Alright But Drew I mean seriously Like did you like it Or did you not like it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm too shy to say.
0: Marie, do you want to go next?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> End of episode. Follow <laughs> that.
0: Okay, fine. So. <sighs> I I, I I started off this soiree by saying I like this a lot more the second time around than I appear to have done the first time we reviewed this. It seems to me, okay, I'll approach this from separate angles, but from one of said angles, it seems to be to be a harmless, playful, Christmas special caliber kind of entertainment, and, you know, I even really enjoyed off-brand Potato Head, like I said. There was more appeal, to, no pun intended, to that scene. <laughs> than I was able to perceive the first time around. However. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. Wow, Drew just got visibly aroused. However, the the Fletcher and Grant relationship seems woefully unthought through to me. Even for a Christmas special, which doesn't need to take into account character dynamics and character depth, Grant himself is just an insipid cuckold whose chastity dick sleeved himself into a charisma void. Don't like him one bit. The story makes fairly little sense. It's not Christmassy at all, and it was set in a place that we all know it wasn't shot in. And on top of that, the bad guy plot is serious enough to be a mid year ep, but it is silly enough to be a Christmas special, but it is not fun enough to be a Christmas special, and it is not tense enough to be a mid year ep. So I don't know what I can say. Like, at the same time, I can't fault it, and I hate its guts. <laughs> Here's the thing, I think this episode can eat a butthole, and not in the way that I assume most of us favour, but at the same time, I also have to admit, I found it enjoyable and entertaining. I didn't hate watching this episode. I found myself smiling on a number of occasions. I had a good time watching this. It's nonsense. It shouldn't appeal to me, but I feel like I could happily put this on in the other room while I'm in this room doing the dishes or indulging in something more interesting. And with that in mind, I'm going to have to give this a... I know I said I liked this more this time around than the first time. (laughs) I'm going to give this a slightly lower (laughs) rating anyway than I did the first time around, but it is nowhere near the quite frankly redonkulous 0.1 that Drew has just awarded this episode. I'm giving this a 2.2. You've got an absurdly huge heart, dude. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) I've got a GP appointment about it.
1: Marie, do you want to be the voice of reason here? I'll see what I can do. Um, <laughs> I had, the, well, I was going to say the opposite reaction to Leon, but I think Leon didn't like it as much this time as last time. I think that's just a lie because you, <laughs> the, the ratings speak for themselves, Leon. But yeah, I I think I gave it a lot of leeway last time for being a Christmas episode and then watched it again this year, not at Christmas, and realized that it is not a Christmas episode. There's nothing (laughs) remotely Christmassy about it. So all of the, you're right, it's completely full of nonsense and silly and things that I, we kind of normally let slide, but seeing it out of that context, I hate nonsense and silliness, and this is not the episode for me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but there are some good, there are some good points. So I like the monsters. I think they're really cool. I think they're visually great. I think the plan to take over the world is a lot more sophisticated than some other monsters that we see. So I'm on board with that. I do think the poor little Grant in the beginning scene. I do really hate because he's a terrible terrible child actor but the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: you hear that grant you hear that justin or whatever your name is Staying logan still. hoffman logan.
1: you hear that logan i <laughs> oh, oh, no, remember how cool he is now i do all right logan, you can him logan. Task. <laughs> but i think the concept of swallowing a gem and suddenly you can be a superhero it's just that's the thing that's christmassy and that appeals to children and it's like every kid's fantasy like what do you get for christmas i can fly i can you know touch the sky (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's really sweet i think that's really sweet and noddle is fantastic he saved it for me i think all of my favorite moments had noddle in them in some form or another on my negative column i wrote down while drew was talking i did not watch this episode again unlike drew because i thought about it because we we tried to record this earlier in the week and um, technical issues meant that we had to come back so i thought i should really watch this again so it's fresh in my mind and i just couldn't bring myself to do it it's like it's an hour of my life like, I just don't want to. Um, And usually, like you say, Leon, normally, I can have something on the background and be doing something else and blah, blah, blah. And it's Doctor Who, and I will always want to watch it. I did not want to watch this one again. There's very little Doctor in it, which I think is a problem, especially after a year of not having him super good point. um it's ridiculously cheesy and the romance between the two main leads is just completely like i didn't buy it in the slightest and that really bothered me and that I think Drew made the point that that is the kind of central thing that is fleshed out the most and we spend the most time on. And it really bugged me. <laughs> so, spend more time with the cool aliens or with Nardal, Like, let's see Nardal being an emperor somewhere. That would be more fun. My next note is not enough Nardal So, we've covered that. <laughs> In theme.
0: <laughs> keeping. Well done. Consistent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is not Christmassy. And finally, I don't know why this bugged me so much. But Grant wildly underestimates how much heat you get from a candle the poor woman is on the rooftop freezing <laughs> oh, in her little red so dress so true and he goes i know <laughs> i've got the magic of fire at my fingertips i will light the candle for you like <laughs> no give her a fucking jacket <laughs> yeah yeah you're
0: right snap your fingers and put a coat on it
1: do <laughs> Build it like make a bonfire, just oh my god, anything just really pissed me off and show and just like cements how crap he is as a superhero and a person. Uh, yeah, as a person, as a person, you are
0: attacking this man's character. This is, I love it.
1: So yeah, so I'm not as obviously not as down on this as Drew, because I don't think anybody could be. Uh, but I didn't love it, so I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna go a bit lower than I did last time. But Nardal saves it. A whole point of this rating is for Nardal. So in total, we get a two point zero. Love it! Oh, you're so right to single out Nardal. He was fantastic.
0: Was I can't wait to see more of him as well. Ah. When
2: he was allowed to be, which was once.
0: No. Oh. <laughs> you know what, Marie. Your rating and Drew's rating combined. Almost my rating. (laughs) I feel after
2: hearing Marie's review, I also want to clarify that Grant is obviously a beta male. I got nothing against a beta male getting the girl. I'm a beta male who punched wildly, nonsensically above his weight when he got married. (laughs) But there's nothing to root for. His, you you have to root for him because of his beatenness. Because the one thing about him is that he cares
1: for this baby. That's it. There's nothing else. It's just not enough. You've got, and it's an extra long episode. You've got a whole hour to convince us to warm to these characters, and we're just not given anything.
0: I think the chastity dig sleeve is even hinted at when he is in high school and he is denying himself the pleasure of seeing all the people naked. That he that any teenager clearly would. <laughs>
2: Good use of wood.
0: <laughs> How about we have a listen to what Podcast Land thinks of this episode? Ooh, let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250 or it would get out of hand. Shamalama Ding Dong Podcast Land. Welcome to the listener mini part of this episode. We have four listener minis for your oral pleasure. Whip, 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 whip. That's right, one whoop per listener mini, and we're starting off with Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Kieran starts. Hi, folks. Okay, this might be an unpopular opinion if I'm remembering someone's past comments, but I actually like this one. Sure, is it the greatest episode ever? No, but I like it for its dumb fun. The Doctor accidentally makes Not Shazam, (laughs) and there are brain-swapping aliens. Perfect Christmas special material.
2: It's actually a sequel to The Husbands of River Song, with Harmony Shoal reappearing, which you might not have realized on first watch, given the year gap between this and the last one. Oh, yeah.
1: And other than the McGuffin jam and a couple of questionable lines, I like it. It's cheesy, but whatever. Nothing much else to say, really. What does he give this? He gives it a 3.0 out of 5. Nice! Oh. Excellent rating, says uh, Marie from five years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a pleasant, if unremarkable, hour Kieran had. <laughs> Uh, I, I love it. I think this is good stuff, uh, Kieran. Thank you very much for sending that in. People who are not Kieran, I'm assuming that you're you're now inclined to high five him online. You can do so at KJ Evans. What drew two. Correct. <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. Can I just say? Can I just say, Kieran
2: started rating not very long ago, and already he's sending them in every week. He is a solid reviewer. Kieran has launched a... himself into the top tier. Yeah,
1: a legend,
0: million percent. Kieran is right ride- He's surfing the listener mini stratosphere. He is a <laughs> freaking legendary badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking of, whose turn is it? Boss, the awesome Alfie. Hello, Alfie. Hi, awesome Alfie. Hi, Alfie. Alfie begins
2: and ends. Oh, good. We waited so long for this. Uh... <laughs> Right, I have nothing much to say about this other than that it's pretty bad. 1.9 out of five from Gunhead Alien Awesome Alfie. So so far that's two for two listeners, being like, I can't think of much to
0: say. <laughs> nice one, Alfie.
2: Thanks for writing in anyway, Alfie.
0: <laughs> All right, next up, we have Michael French. Hello, Michael. Bonsoir, ma-
1: Michel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bonsoir, indeed. Wait,
2: this is what made him leave last time. Michael, I'm so
1: sorry. Please stay. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. True. Michael begins. This whole episode comes off as baby's first superhero script. I feel their intention was to come off as classic comic book but instead it's just the most cliche tropes from every superhero story not to mention the weird comic book panel editing and some of the scenes which as we know from ang lee's
2: hulk Whoa!
1: <laughs> i oh, saw that as i oh, like, copy pasted this
0: into our episode google doc i was like holy smokes here's my friend who agrees with me <laughs>
2: <laughs> my whole point was letting kick ass it did work
0: I, yeah you know what mm. i i i'm really sorry michael I, I i'm afraid i'm gonna have to disagree with you I think that's a fun way to deal with comic book material. But Angley's Hulk, like, famously went way too far with it. Like, just way too far. Oh,
2: well, now I want to watch it. I love watching things that go way too far. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it.
0: It's incredibly formulaic. Um, (laughs) Unlike every other superhero movie. Michael continues, though. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I kind of like Nardole. He's just kind of in his own world, and I like that. The Doctor is great as always, but the entire time, this feels like a bad CW show. Whatever do you mean, Michael?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know what Michael means when he says he Nardole's in his own world. When he says oh, it tasted nice too. Ooh, elephant.
0: <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, me too.
2: Michael is an unabashed fan of superhero media, but Doctor Who shouldn't be chasing trends or making Pokemon Go references. It should Always try and feel timeless, which is why Michael is giving this episode two point two gemstones mistaken as medicine
0: out of five. No. Leon, what do you think of that rating? I... <laughs> Did I mention here's my friend who agrees with me before? Uh, <laughs> solid rating, Michael. Holy smokes! Excellent mini, excellent rating. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
2: Welcome back for yet another time again and so on.
0: Yeah. Uh, as I, I don't know if you're on Twitter, please accept this uh, trans ether high five. Oh, wow. It made a noise. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was just Foley. I have I brought some cabbages. I hope that's okay. Oh, hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, we've got one more listener mini left.
1: Who's it from? Why, it's from Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Hi. Hiya, Andy. <laughs> and Andy begins. Hi, gang. Another week, another Christmas special. Except this one is a shameless love letter to comic book superheroes, more specifically Superman, from Stephen Moffat. Quite why they chose to focus on the clark Lois aspect is a bit wasteful and only seems to be there for comic relief. There are some great performances from Capaldi, Matt Lucas gets to stretch his comedy muscles, and Charity Wakefield is very good as Lucy.
0: Hmm.
1: Andy then
0: has provided a list of likes and a list of beefs. First off, the likes! First like, please welcome to the stage the Who Back When performers in the roles of Lucy and Grant, respectively. (laughs)
2: You're kind of wet. I prefer mild
0: mannered, flawless accents. Bravo, <laughs> bravi, bravi, bravi. <laughs> 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 Thank you. <laughs> Second, and let's clarify last like <laughs> Lucy's interrogation using Mister Huffle. A hey, here's my friend who agrees with me. Thank goodness, Andy follows
2: up with some. First, Grant phones Lucy to arrange the date. Why doesn't she realize it's his phone? Or does he have a ghost phone too? That's a good point. Mm.
0: Doesn't he? Yeah, it's on his mobile phone. I was going to say, like, doesn't he even call her from her phone? But no, it's
1: his mobile. Yeah, you're... Holy smokes, Andy. Freaking well observed. <laughs> you guys have obviously never had to uh, block your phone number from, on an outgoing call. I feel like it's quite no. easy to do. <laughs> Is that something people do?
0: Yeah, when you're prank on you superheroes, <laughs> <laughs> I think actually what this means is Lucy's just that bad an investigative reporter.
1: I think that Lucy <laughs> Lucy just thinks so little of Grant that she hasn't bothered to save his number in her phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exact. Oh no, you're right. Oh, you yeah, win, Marie. Yeah. That is a like, gold medal. Can I give this gold medal a gold medal? You deserve it. They're, it's great.
2: Oh, well, All she ever you. has to do is shout into the next room, "Hey, slave, <laughs> slave!"
0: Get in and here. then we hear the the muffled affirmative of a leather clad chap in a in a box. <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) Can we call it a night soon? I'm mega aroused.
1: (laughs) Right, there is still one left. The whole split heads plan. Come to Earth, build a super strong building, trick the humans into thinking there's an alien invasion hoping that all world leaders come and seek shelter in their strong building and insert their brains into said world leaders. Who came up with this plan? The classic era master?
0: That's a super good observation because I had massive Auton vibes from that plan because there is a similar thing in one of the, I want to say one of the Pertwee serials with the Autons. I can't remember which one it is. It's not, uh, which one is it? It's uh, Auton time invasion, to meet presumably. the Autons. It's probably the Auton invasion <laughs> where they have like a sort of a Madame Tussauds, but but it's with with plastic mannequins, and they're all just like military leaders and political leaders, as opposed to celebrities. And saying, like, "Oh, I wonder what your plan is, alien plastic creatures." Yeah. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> totally see where uh, where you're coming from, Andy. Please tell
2: me there was a plastic brigadier in amongst those military leaders. Uh, there was
0: not, but there oh. was a chap, as I recall, with a really sinister-looking mustache. Mm. I mean, if that makes, I mean. You You know, the brig had the most glorious moustache, but... Uh, Anywho, Andy continues. All in all, he says, if you don't think about it too hard, it's another enjoyable Christmas special. Yes, it's saddled with a ludicrous invasion plan and numerous plot holes, and it's more DC than Doctor Who, but it's saved in part by some great performances and funny lines. It's not as good as the previous episode, though, but I am looking forward to season 10.
2: And Andy awards this 3.0 time distortion
0: equalizer thingies out of 5. Nice. Oh, holy moly wait three out of five excellent rating Andy 50% of podcast land gives this three out of five yeah as far as we're aware
1: 50% of podcast land listened to our last review and I went hey Marie's totally on the money yeah she's (laughs) nailed this review yeah
0: yeah yeah that is a solid mini as always Andy Uh, thank you very much for sending that in people who are not Andy you know what to do please do high five Andy online where can he be found Marie why at and Caffrey
1: 71 of course.
0: That's 71 the what drew Caffrey. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> still funny <laughs>
2: Now ordinarily that would be the end of our listener mini section but I have received another review of this episode. <gasps> oh! Tell us more, Drew. It's from someone else who was a party, a witness to that terrible story on that fateful day, Christmas Day 2016. It's from my very own sister.
0: Well bookended, Drew. Well bookended. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Lizzie Stanley, and she rates this as follows. I remember being incredibly confused at the time and I found it incredibly boring. Of course, they've made the token black man look like the evil one. And then the Eastern European guy is the true baddie. Hey, it's that Eastern (laughs) European thing again we Stanleys are very confused with our geography (laughs) Lizzie liked the puberty jokes on so many different levels she still wonders why Matt Lucas is here but it's a bit like Bake Off he just seems lost throughout his life (laughs) Lizzie still doesn't see the point of him And she's seen all his Doctor Who episodes At this point Then the bad guy unzipped his head And there was a gun inside But earlier he was just saying His head was cramped Of course it's cramped There is a gun in your head But where is the brain With the eyes I'm confused You are not alone in being confused Lizzie Ben, Lizzie's son Keeps crying through this (laughs) I don't know if it's because he's tired Or because of the bad script (laughs) Lizzie concludes Overall it's not as bad as she remembers Seems to be the final bit tie-up of the River Song storyline, which she is sad about. It's one of the weaker Christmas specials, but she'll admit she hasn't seen the Jodie Christmas episodes.
0: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Ben fell asleep. Surely when they're two, that's a good thing, though. I don't think it's good at any age when you're trying to rate something (laughs) as being good. No, that's good. If you find something that puts your two-year-old to sleep, then keep hold of it and watch it every night. Yeah, well, done, yeah.
0: Not Oh, yeah, you found a secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> every parent, every parent should be equipped with this episode. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Lizzie, you're a legend. That is a seriously solid mini. Wait, did I just
1: miss <laughs> yeah, that? Absolutely. Was there a rating as well?
2: Uh, there was no rating, but I think we can uh, say it's around the 1.5 mark.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that I sounds think solid. It's, it's around all of the other ratings, which were basically, as a group, this episode was meh.
0: Yeah, it was meh, but it was <laughs> like approximately two thirds of all people reviewing this gave it subpar. <laughs> and one third was like, yeah, yeah, totally above average, guys. <laughs> Three
2: out of five. <laughs> I feel like even Andy, Andy lists the good things and the beefs. And he managed to get a couple of lists out But they weren't as long as usual People had very yeah. little to say This episode just happened in people's vicinity
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I don't know how much of that is symptomatic Of a Christmas special that doesn't take itself as seriously And how much of it is symptomatic of this episode in itself Just being a little... It's
2: just It's just there It's Peter Sellers in being there
0: <laughs> It's it's an episode It's an episode yeah. <laughs> I'm... I'm I look forward to Definitely putting this episode on The next time I'm hoovering in the other room Like this is a solid episode For that Thank you, everyone, who sent in, uh, or even (laughs) via nepotism, (laughs) provided a a listener mini for this episode. Really, really good stuff. Thank you, everyone. What have we got coming up next? Well, good question, me. Thanks, me. Next up, we have a Classic Who episode. Anyone want to guess how that's pronounced? I
1: mean, it looks like kinda. Uh Uh-huh. But it might be Kinder.
0: Yeah, I know that one of you guys is right. I know that. (laughs) Jim and I probably won't pronounce it like that, though. Yeah, there look could be a Klingon
2: sort of take on it. It could be Kinda <laughs> I
0: bet it is. Yeah, put in a put like a random apostrophe in there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> After that, we are going to be back in New Who territory with uh, what? The pilot. Ooh, nice. Mm. Yes. And oh. a new companion, which is super
1: exciting.
0: Mm. Yes, exactly. New companion and Capaldi in a setting that I wonder if maybe it's it's. Worthy of a, a a Reinterpretation post Sharda review because There are some parallels there I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that after that, we're back into AudioHoo territory. No, we're not, because the next audio is probably the next bonus. And what is the next bonus? Marie! I believe it's Strange Readings. Oh, whoever wrote that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Str- can I Can I just clarify? Strange Readings, part one of five. That's right. Wow. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so look forward to that at some point in the hopefully not too distant future. But in the meantime, you know what you can do? You can high five us online. Reach out. It, it stretch your tentacles across the ether and uh, tap us on the shoulder.
1: Marie, can you be found online in some capacity? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Ham Well, Jelly. Well, wow, those are three of my favourite things. On <laughs> mm, <I'm> the gram. <laughs> <laughs> what about you,
2: Drew? You can tweet me at Drew Back When, and I'll say hello right back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, I'm going to do that right after this recording. Right after this episode (laughs) drops, I'm doing that.
1: Um Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to create a Twitter account just so I can hello to you.
0: (laughs) And you can say hello to me as well. High five me online. I will high five you right back. I can be found at Punkin. You know how to spell that? If you don't, guess. They don't have to guess
2: because it's Christmas and at Christmas, we sing. Oh, I'm
0: flaccid.
1: (laughs) G-R-N-K-E-N-P-O-N-K-O-N
0: Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) So thank you very much, Podcastland. You've been an absolutely lovely audience. Until the next time, rock on, be right next to each other and cha-chao. Bye-bye. kablamo did you enjoy the show then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when tell your friends but i've got no friends no problemo tell some strangers Hooray. like us on facebook that's facebook.com slash who back when all in one word are you into twitter awesome high five us online and we'll high five you right back you guessed it we're at who back when all in one word
2: Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus
0: episode. Until then, cha chao Who back when?